you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second movie, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast from the Indianapolis Scouting Combine. Lots to talk about here from the home of Super Bowl 46. And then just mere weeks later, another major NFL event, the 2012 NFL Scouting Combine. We've got a great show in store for you. A couple of interviews here from the Scouting Combine. Sitting down with John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. How is he faring in the aftermath of an otherwise successful season, the otherwise obviously being the AFC Championship game loss, uh, just a couple of plays away from making it to this building for the Super Bowl. Also sitting down with Mike Tannenbaum, the GM of the JETS. So much going on with him, obviously, in a couple of weeks after the season. The Jets were making almost as many headlines in New York City to the point where the Jets were grabbing all the back pages and the Giants were making their way to this building in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl. In fact, Peyton Manning was on the back page almost as much as Eli Manning the week of the Giants game uh, against the Green Bay Packers because of what was going on with the Jets and discussion of Peyton Manning and whatnot. And uh, obviously there was a lot of Peyton Manning discussion here at the Combine this week. Uh, RG3 and Andrew Luck are two guys who are going to be at the top of this draft. Are they going to be 1-2 as Luck and RG3? That's what many people think. We had RG3 on the set. Robert Griffin III was on the set with me and Mike Mayock and Kurt Warner. We'll play that conversation for you. And Heinz Ward uh, is going to finish this show up because he was the man on the red carpet for the podcast at the Oscars. So this show is not only in Indianapolis, it's also in the glitzy red carpet in Hollywood. The Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl Forty and the Dancing with the Stars champion with Chris Brockman, the podcast television producer, together on the red carpet. The show, however, begins with a man uh, who is on the podcast leading up to the Combine. Charles Davis, good to see you. Great to see you. And my compadre, Mike Mayock. How are you, sir? Oh, great, man. I appreciate you sitting down to do this podcast because we're doing this mere moments after we're off the air of a fourth, should appreciate consi- listen, <laughs> fourth consecutive day of multiple hours of television. But this also is preparing us in a way for the, the wrap-up show that we're going to tape once we That's stop one down. way to look at it. Really. It's, it's the only way I care to look at no, okay. it. Plus, also, one of the other ways that we're... we're, we're you're my good friend. So It's a cool down before that. It's a cool down. Yeah, this is the cold tub before we, we head out to the uh, Indianapolis airport. Um, how do we start this? RG3, in many ways, lit this place up on Sunday, even without working out. Mm-hmm. But there, there's, no, there's nobody in this building, I don't think, that believes he's going to be the first overall pick, correct? Most people still believe this is an Andrew Luck first overall choice. I think most people believe that, but I'm also a believer in the process. And to me, the process states, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, I'm looking at them both as hard as I can. And I might, I might come to a conclusion soon, but I, I got to keep the door open and fo- just follow everything I do at every other position with every other player. Mm-hmm. And my board stacked might say lock one, Griffin two, but I'm doing my homework. 
And I also know, regardless of which way I go, there's a market starting at number two. So if you're St. Louis, you've got to be ecstatic at the way both those players perform because it looks to me like you're going to have an opportunity to trade down as far as you want. A couple slots, a little bit more. You better define where those blue chippers are, how far you're willing to go down, number one. And then you're going to get a multitude of players that can help your team. Yeah, if you're less need, the new GM at St. Louis, how about this for your first major deal that you're going to do? And then Indianapolis, it's not just a matter of luck, Griffin. It's juxtaposing that with Peyton Manning's health. Right. Because if Peyton Manning's healthy, I don't know anyone who wouldn't play Peyton Manning as their quarterback. That's going to be the interesting subplot to all of this. Well, the Colts might be that team. Because we found out during the combine as well that the new CBA rules state that the Colts are not allowed to see Peyton Manning April 16th. throw. Not right. till April 16th. Well, I, but that's a decision maker. Uh, somebody from their medical staff has the ability to watch him throw. But there are ways around that, right? I mean, uh, can, can a medical staffer bring in a flip video camera, you know, and just I, show what he looks like? I don't think there's any that? ways around it. And, and I think March 8th is the date with the balloon payment. If you assume, and I don't, but if you assume that they're going to let him go on March 8th and he's a free agent on March 9th, at that point, Rich, the way I understand the rules, since he's a free agent, he can work out for anybody. Right. Yep. So starting March 9th, assuming they don't pay him the $28 million here in Indianapolis, all of a sudden he can start to throw for other teams. And I would imagine what he'd like to do is to get that arm where he wants it, medically, but more importantly to me, from an NFL throwing perspective, how close are you to the Peyton Manning we know and love? And at that point, if you're willing to start throwing for teams, um, his market is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, and that, that'll probably go down to midnight, right? March 8th, midnight. So it's, it's a 12th-hour league, and, and I'm sure both guys need to figure out, Ursay and Manning, if yep. this is an amicable divorce, how it, it comes across that Manning isn't viewed as... Somebody who didn't want to be in town anymore, and Ursay isn't viewed, viewed as, as the guy who lets the fr- face the franchise go and maybe win Super Bowls and, elsewhere. And it's a small thing, we know, and it's not very likely, but both sides can mutually agree to extend that deadline if they so choose. It doesn't happen. seem likely, but that option is still there. Right. So, sure. so that's just yep. another thing to throw into the pot. What do you think the ransom's going to be for the Rams? What do you think? I mean, if it's Cleveland at four, is it as simple as, because you throw the chart out, right? Yeah. Is it as simple as the fourth overall selection that the Browns hold because of how they finished last year, as well as the Falcons selection, first overall, based on last year's Julio Jones trades and maybe a, a second-round choice? What do you think the, the ransom's going to be, even if it's Washington further down on the I think the, the key is, and, and again, you're throwing out the charts, and you've got something of incredible value here. <laughs> So you're trying to stay open for business, in my opinion, as long as you can, because the more horses in the race, the, the more leverage you have. So if I'm less need, what I'm looking for is I'm going to trade from two to four or six or wherever that low point is where I know I can still get a blue chipper in this year's draft. I want to get a couple more picks in this year's draft, quality picks, but I also want to get a one next year. So I want to leverage this thing into some quality players this year plus a number one next year. I don't know if he can get all that. Like, will Cleveland come up two spots? Like, will will they come up two spots and give four the later pick in the first round and a first rounder next year? 
or, or they're going to, I would think that they'd want to hold one of those first round picks and it can't be four. We know but that's that. what I mean about leverage. Exactly. They would, I would think Cleveland would say, look, here's the four. All right, we're going to move on. Here's, the, here's that pick. Let's go to one next year and a couple of picks maybe this year. I'm not sure they want to give up both in the first round this year. The that's only thing the Cleveland has going for them is if, by definition, St. Louis sits there and says, we don't want to be lower than four. Yep. Because we know at four we're going to get one of two or three players we love. Yep. Now can you go down to six at Washington? You have to ask your same question. If are we're we, at six, are we going to get one of one one player that we love? Blackman wouldn't be there at six, would he? I mean that's that he would could. Be, he, he could. And be. by the way, there's some questions out there. I heard the other night after Michael Floyd played so well here, ran mm-hmm. so well here, caught so well here. There's some questions about who the number one wideout in the draft is. Kendall Wright didn't run. It's not locked Michael down. Floyd ran well. And, and Blackman went from 219 during the season to 207 and elected not to run here. And he's going to run at Oklahoma State. And if I'm not mistaken, Oklahoma State doesn't have an indoor. Well, I'm going to be there. Right? If I'm not mistaken, Mike, I'm not sure there's an indoor. I've heard, my, somebody, somebody said to me the right. other day, the running and throwing for Oklahoma State would be outdoors. Now, I'm not sure about that. I'm not that. sure it is. I've, I'm I, not so, sure it so is. So you'll have to let me know. But if that's the case, nah. didn't run here, and if he has to run outdoors in some raw weather, Now, I, I would question that, that decision-making process. Not that run indoors here, but go outside. I know. And, that's, and that, that's, that's why I'm asking the question. Is nah, that true? Because I'm not buying it 100% that right. he would say, even if they don't have do a facility. That. You can he, run a track right. somewhere. Go right. run in the gym. Is there somebody else similar to that that you heard after the combine speaking to scouts? where everyone thought someone was a consensus top player, if not the top player at his position in the draft. Well, but after things that shook out here, there are questions. Well, let's draft let's, boards ch- let's check it off. Up. Let's check the board off. Sure. Quarterback, two. Those check, two, check. Those two Tannehill stay. right now, we don't know yet, but he should be the third and a first-round pick if he checks out. So many guys his didn't pro day. do anything that Kirk Cousins got a lot of discussion, right. not to move all the way up, but all of a sudden, hey, let's go look at him wide some more receiver. because other people didn't do it. We talked about wide receiver. Tight end, three tight ends with second-round grades. Nobody did anything that would go, change go anything in my mind. wide receiver real quick. Go ahead. No consensus, but the emergence yeah. Stephen Hill, Stephen Georgia Hill. Tech. Stephen Hill, what do we do with him? Is he a first-round player? We've got to go back we to the Demarius go Thomas, out. go back to Bay Bay, who yep. played in the same offense, same type of production, right. the whole type of a right. deal. What do you do with him? Tight ends, three second-round picks, in my opinion, and nothing after that. Running back. Trent Richardson wasn't here. And, I mean, he and, was here, but he, didn't, he wasn't able to work out. And by out. the way, the, what I just heard before we came on, on the podcast is the Alabama safety, Mark Barron, and Trent Richardson are both going to work out, but not at the Alabama Pro Day. At the end of March. They're setting up a date right now at the end of March. Just for the two of them? For the two of them. So, the, and that's not a guarantee they'll be ready for that. So the running back position, all of a sudden you look at it, and, and where people were saying a top 10 Trent Richardson, I'm mm-hmm. not sure he's going to go top 10 given the history of running backs. Does he get pushed down? And if he gets pushed down, Lamar Miller, Michael James, I thought David the Virginia Wilson. Tech kid had a heck of a and he's, combine. He's, he's a and, and the kid. Boise kid is only five pounds lighter yep, than Doug Richardson. And, and to me, you might get a ton of value in the second or third round. And second round for the Boise kid. Hey, so, we, we discussed this on the air. If I'm an owner in the National Football League, you know, not only am I wondering why am I connecting on my flight out here, but I'm also <laughs> wondering, you as my talent evaluator really need to convince me hard that we're taking a running back top five, top yep. ten. Yep. When I see guys like Michael Turner and Darren Sproles, and Sean Foster. Green, Arian Foster, 
um, even Chris Johnson down at the bottom of the first round of the draft, just seeing all these guys that are DeMarco Murray, you know, go on and on and on, that you're going to have to convince me real hard we're spending a first. In the last 10 years, in the last 10 years, there's one running back that was drafted in the top 10 that's justified that, and that's Adrian Adrian Peterson. Peterson. Darren McFadden when he's healthy. But but when he's healthy is the qualifier, and that's not fair. That's what he was in college. He couldn't finish a season. So as talented as he is, that's still not a – he shouldn't have been picked at four. That's it. Adrian Peterson. Year in and year out. So history tells us – that I'm going to have a tough time convincing you, Mr. Owner, that yes. I, he's a t- anybody's a top ten pick right. at that position. How about anyone defensively in the in the regard of? Oh, Don Terry Poe. I mean, I look at my defensive tackle lists, and and I knew the kid was a freak. I told you guys before the combine started, he was going to be unbelievable, and he was. Um, he's even are, more unbelievable than you thought, though, wasn't he? Yeah, but but, but it confirmed, like you said, it confirmed everything. Confirmed you know, I saw the freakish, but. Did I expect a sub-540 at 346 pounds? No. So, Rich, your defensive lineman, he's going in the top 15. Yep. He also did well in the meeting rooms at night, just as importantly. People like him. He's a good kid. He doesn't have issues. So, you know. <laughs> 44 in the weight and reps room? Yes. And here, and here at the Combine, the big thing at the podium was Devin Still going to the podium from Penn State saying he was the best defensive tackle. Michael Brocker's going and saying, I'm not going to say I'm the best one, but I think that I am. And he's kind of been the, the guy who's risen to the top of the charts. But Poe's the one everyone's going Poe's going, going in the top about. 15, I'm that telling just, you right now. That just changed now. everything. And, and then at the linebacker position, Keekley came out, and all these people said he wasn't athletic and he wasn't this and he wasn't that, came away going, oh, my goodness. Yeah, he, he's a guy that should, it should have been confirm, confirmation, but there were so many skeptics that now he opened eyes and now it's going to be confirmed this guy's that type of He's an a top 15 to 20 worst and case. And I don't think Dante Hightower did anything to hurt himself. They're right. two different guys. Right. They're two different types of inside linebacker. And, and I thought he did nothing. He ran 4.62 at 265 pounds. Just as impressive as Keekley <laughs> in the 4.5. So I agree with that. Yeah. And then at defensive backfield, the Claiborne didn't run fast, but he impressed in his drills. And Harrison Smith, I thought, had a heck of a day who could be the second first round safety. Because there's a lack of safeties in this draft. Should Upshaw be concerned uh, with his performance here? Because he didn't really light it up. I didn't expect him to light it up, Rich. And right. here's what I'm thinking more and more. And I remember I said during yep, you're this that I'm going to change, gonna your, I'm gonna change my boards on, on certain players. Right. His, I look at him physically, and from the waist down, he's huge. And he's not a quick twitch outside rush linebacker that you think can drop in coverage or any of that. I think he's a 4-3 base end. Where that can hurt him, Rich... If you're considered a base end, which effectively is against the right tackle, you're the left defensive end, Mm -hmm. your value drops just like an inside linebacker value typically drops. If you're an elite pass rushing defensive end or rush linebacker, your value is high. So if he's a base end, he's still a first-round pick, but I don't think he's going to be a top 15 or 18 pick. And that's a big change because Chris Long was drafted as a right end. Yep. Remember? And because high. he went number two, number two to the Rams. Right. So he wasn't drafted to play where he's playing right now, which is at the left side. The left side has been home for him, though, because now he's a Pro Bowl guy. Because him rushing from that side, he's winning those right. battles. It's a lot tougher on the other side against the elite pass protection. So what's your next step, Mike, when you go home with all this tape? And uh, I know just <laughs> the look that you just gave that you you got a, you got you a lot start to, on to the look plane. For. But is there is there – 
What's your process? Is there one guy that you say, I, I definitely need to go back the tape on, or do you start by position I mean, by the, position? The corner from fight? UCF I got to go right back Josh to because he ran 4-3-3, and I didn't see it on tape. And, and, and I trust what I saw on tape, but I'm going to go back and cross-check it. Right. I'm going to talk to some people around the league. And I'll go, Rich, position group by position group. Some guys that stuck out not only to me but to some of my friends around the league. What impressed you? Who didn't impress you? In the meetings at night that we don't have – that information. That infor- I'm calling around the league and getting some some stuff on guys just to find out who's on and off boards, who who did not do well. I already know some of them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say any of them, but I already right. know some of them that are falling off boards entirely. Mm-hmm. That are that are no talented kidding, based kids. Up because of, because they met them face to face and they just got a bad vibe. Went, went, went in went things. in knowing that these kids had a lot of issues. Came out saying, not impressed. Don't want to deal with them. And they got the dot, the dreaded yep. Dimitrov yep. dot. See ya. Adios. And, and I don't know a single thing about who got the dot and who didn't get the dot, but there are a few kids out there that we watched. And what was nice about our, our coverage is that we had people here, played the position, worked this, sitting here with Jeff Saturday. Yeah. And, and, and him making me want to go back and look at Peter Kahn's. Yeah. From Wisconsin, because he's saying something doesn't compute here. And he's his tall, size, he's six he's five, tall, no he's this, reps. He's that. He yeah. doesn't rep enough on the bench. What do you know? So we're going to go back and look again exactly. and, to, and, and look at him because if Jeff Saturday's telling me something to look for, I need to go ahead and do that. We're sitting here and talking about linebackers, you know, and Vontez Perfect is going to be the one that's just going to go out and drive people crazy because the talent is immense. But you watch the tape, and, and you and I talked about this during the season, after the season, the whole deal. I never saw it. I kept hearing about it because oh, he's the heart, you know, he's this, he's that. I didn't see him play to that. And then we get here to the combine. He's not doing drills. He's running slow. It was the perfect boy, storm. It, 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 Thank unfortunately you so much. for him, boy, talk about a wave, <laughs> yeah, about a wave slapping back against him. Right. That wasn't good for him. The perfect storm. Um, so your pro days, yeah. do you know which ones you're going to yet? The first week, uh, the week of March 5th, I'm scheduled to be at Alabama on the 7th, Clemson on the 8th, and uh, Oklahoma much, State on the 9th. How much do the coaches take part in that? Like how much is Saban you're going to get? time with him do you get do you get time with him i get a little is he time. out there yeah oh be... yeah the, the the head coach on campus that right. it's a big day for and the schools deal with it differently right but the smart ones that are always thinking recruiting sure. like they're nick saban there. and usc and i and they're, brown, they're really smart be like that. brown they open it up they want the television cameras right they want nfl they want the high school kid Stoops at Oklahoma. Who's a junior in high school that's going to be highly recruited. They want those kids to see us out there covering their pro days. So, yeah, it's Rich, you can't enter a facility anymore without almost as soon as you're in the facility. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. There's now the helmet of every NFL team listed. And what's listed under that helmet is every player who played in that program and where they played and the whole deal. It's one of the – it used to be a background thing. It really did. Oh, and we have NFL guys and whatever. No more. Hey, Not even close. Now right. it's one of the first things that comes rolling out because of places like us. Our kids watch the NFL Network and can't wait to be join that legion. And, and that's just the way it is. It's, not, it's no more of a background. Our program comes first. It really is. Hey, Coach, how are you going to help me get to the league? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm looking forward to Stillwater. Oh, man. Justin Blackman, I'm a little nervous about that program right now. Okay, 219 to 207, and then you don't run? Why? Are you hiding something? 
I mean, that's what people want. I'm a little nervous about where that is, and I can't wait to watch he and Whedon put on a show throwing the ball. Throw the ball. I want to see Blackman run his forty. You know, you get to see Blatnick again, the defensive lineman who who is either a defensive lineman or an outside linebacker, and they worked both drills while he was here today. I mean, here this week, March ninth is the date on that. Friday, March. And when was the last time? You know, I said not last time, but in most years, Oklahoma State has not been that kind of musket to. Yeah. All eyes are going to Stillwater this year. This Who's is the fourth big, quarterback? Big is Brandon Whedon the fourth quarterback? Brock Osweiler didn't throw here. Why? Yeah, he State. said he had a foot. No, it said foot. That's a whole, that's a whole new know. deal. I had not Kirk heard Cousins that one. Threw. Kirk Cousins threw, and really Kirk Cousins Helped acquitted himself, himself very well. Yes, Made people did. take a look mm-hmm. because I didn't think Nick Foles threw as impressively. As with his stats See, I'm, I'm just college. hoping they tape this so that we can just leave now. We, we can take Rick. No, no, no. Yeah. no, no, no just <laughs> podcast. podcast. And use it for our wrap-up no, show. I know. What do you think? But Before, all I know but, is but, as, we, as we close out, yes. the 40 of Rich. Ah. It's the highlight. It was, you know, and I'm going to say this, Rich. The scouts are buzzing. I'm going to say this. That was impressive because you brought the time down. Six you, you're point, not supposed to be going in this direction with age, you're six, supposed to be going up. Six point oh three. No, but here's the deal: six point one eight to six point oh three. The next barrier is there. But the deal is, six Charles. Seconds. Here's the amazing thing: he won me over. I, I was skeptical <laughs> seven or eight years six ago. Seconds. I'll admit. Yeah. But but how about Mike Nolan, the new defensive coordinator in Atlanta? What did he just do a minute ago? He, he said they all said, he wanted. To, I went over thinking he, he wanted to talk he, about no, prospects. They wanted to like, talk about Rich. Eisen was a riot. He had we had it on in our room. The we whole were dying. group was watching. That we're means dying. the Falcons' brain trust was up the there. The whole group's watching there this. And he said he was laughing so hard at one point. He said, "So what happened? Who did he beat? Yeah. Didn't I hear he beat someone?" <laughs> and poor Vic Ballard. Vic Ballard from fell down State. and hit the ten yard mark. I have a feeling we'll all be hearing from Starkville about yeah, this. The ten yard mark. Uh, I guess camera or, or timer he knocked it over. If and, I were you, Rich, I wouldn't fly into uh, the Golden Triangle. But again, soon. I want to thank uh, you, Mike Mayock, because I was going to run my first was like six three and change, which yep. I could not have. Uh, I, then ran, Mrs. I then, and then you Mike gave Mayock. me a couple quick pointers. I proved I'm coachable. <laughs> I then went up and down the line six point oh three. I thought maybe I'll do it again now that I'm warmed up. Mike's like, no, 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 no. It's your personal best. You are in one piece. End it. Mrs. Eisen, Shoot for six you. seconds next year. Susie will I told be very Susie happy about me. that. She's like, tell Mike, thank you. Now I'm telling you in front of everybody else. So thank you. And thank you guys. You're the best to work with. Thank you. you guys thank know you. Everything about, great right about everything. Right back at you. And it's, um, it's fantastic. That's Mike Mayock and Charles Davis here after the combine is all over again. We've got interviews for the, in this podcast with Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager of the New York Jets. We've got uh, Heinz, uh, RG3. We're going to get that conversation up here as well. Robert Griffin III, who could not have been more impressive. It could it, not it, have been more impressive. How about him on the I board mean, with Moose? And I finally saw that segment about you were that? talking about. Whew. Right. Seek uh, that out at NFL.com as well. You could see why folks in the Cleveland organization, Miami, or is in Washington Indian, might fall in love with look, him. Look, the Indianapolis fans are going to be asking questions, too. Uh, I'd luck will make them forget if that. I'm Cleveland, Washington, Seattle, all those teams, I don't care which player doesn't get picked yep, by I'm getting one. I'll of take them. the other. I'm getting one of right. them. Exactly. Exactly. Certainly, if you need a quarterback you know, for years. And, this is and Peyton Manning, well. Ryan Leaf, with less questions. Well, <laughs> with no not, questions. And I'm telling Zero. you what, too, and this is going to happen to you and I. We, Zero. You and I spoke about this in the last podcast, too, and then we'll wrap it up with you guys, is that uh, you predicted it will be before RG3's pro day that, oh, the, that, the, the, that the conversation will be Robert Griffin III has passed Andrew Luck, and the Colts are going to take him instead. What's, even this, what's this pro day? The 21st. Okay, we haven't even left Indianapolis yet. Have you not heard some of that? Right, we're going to hear that. I'll tell you this, what we're going to hear also. We're going to hear, too, at some point, that the Rams might be thinking I'll just keep about them. trading Bradford. I know they've already gone on record and say that's not going to happen. There'll be whispers of that. 
Listen, that's even the Rams aren't going to trade. We got a lot to do RG3. between now and the draft. There's going to be so many things that are going to Sam Bradford is really, this. really. And it's like you talent. said about McFadden. If he stays healthy, Sam Bradford is an elite NFL quarterback. But if you elite. think if you think he can't stay healthy, maybe you should go ahead and find someone who thinks he can and go get Robert Griffin. The Sometimes third. I prefer the evil I know. <laughs> It's all Listen, part of the. It's all part of this whole whisper. evaluation process. It's all part of it. Also, we've got Heinz Ward on the red carpet at the Oscars for crying out loud, representing this podcast. You got folks like Nick Nolte and George Clooney. That's still to come. But now let's get to the HC of the Baltimore Ravens. Pleased to have uh, on the Rich Eisen podcast the uh, coach of the AFC North champion Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh. Good to see you, John. Great to be with you. Rich. How are you doing? Doing great. Good. People ask you that a lot. How you doing? Baby? Yeah, well, early on it was kind of the old, you know, how you doing? Everything okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I hate that. I'm doing great. Right. Everything's fine. I know. You got a problem with that? <laughs> That's how you feel. You know? Yeah, I know, because it, 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 it was one of those uh, losses that just to anybody yeah. sitting at home would think that that will leave a mark. And yet the way the Ravens handled it mm-hmm. to a man was really – something else to be very honest with you it's not something that you you see i'd love for you to walk us through the the process of of i guess the the post game mortem in a way right there well you know for you to say that really rich to be honest with you it means a lot because that was to me that's what's really that's really what is at stake you know mm-hmm. and you talk to your guys and you talk to your team you know it's football it's life things happen you know good things happen we were we were you know a hair away from going to the super bowl we were right there and then it didn't happen, you know, and all of a sudden it was a devastating type of a thing. But that's what's really about it, really what it's about is how you treat one another, how you respond to adversity, you know. We talked to our guys, the old Kipling poem, you know, triumph and disaster, you know, meet those two and treat them both just the same. And I'm really proud of our guys. I thought our guys did a great job of rallying around the guys that would have been, you know, the focal point of the whole deal and kind of having their back and everything. And uh, I think it says a lot about who we are as a team. Yeah, seeing what went down in your locker room. We, yeah. You know, that video of Ray Lewis, his right. speech to the team yep. afterwards. What was it yeah. like being a coach listening to a team leader? Well, it was fulfilling. I mean, it makes you feel like, you know what, we, we're, we're where we want to be as a football team, you know, and that's what, that's what you want. As a coach, you're building a team, you know, mm-hmm. Try, trying to drive a bunch of, of guys or, or girls or whoever it might be, but trying to push them together as a team, uh, unite them as a group, and, uh, and make them really care about one another. And then for Ray to put voice to that, you know, as only he can, so eloquently and mm-hmm. so passionately, uh, you know, that's everything. And the interesting thing is that I had uh, <clears throat> Ray Rice on this show two days after uh, the AFC Championship game. Yeah. And I had not yet seen the Ray Lewis post-game locker room speech. Uh-huh. And Ray Rice was giving me, essentially, Ray Lewis's talking points. Right. In that speech, right. where it was clearly something that he absorbed right. and believed in, to the right. point where he was now regurgitating it, pretty right. much almost word for word. Right. And then when I saw Ray's speech, I was blown away by right. that—that that he actually yeah. has taken it in. You know, yeah. I mean, and so I, again, well, hearing that sort of stuff, I'd love to hear what what you have to say. Well, about you know, that. I think that you know nobody can really speak quite like Ray Lewis. I mean, he's gifted, but I really believe that if you take any one of the people, any any member of our team any one of our coaches, any one of our players, and called them up in the middle of that circle right there, they would have given the same message. I mean, that's where our team was. That's where our team is. You know, that's, that's what, to me, that's what makes a great team. You know, and then obviously you make a couple plays, you win some games. Yeah. But, 
That's what makes a team a team. And any one of our players, Ray Rice could have got up there, he would have said it would have been the exact same message. It would have been Ray Rice's way. So uh, that, that's what's kind of cool about it. Can you, that said, um, human emotions <coughs> being what they are, mm -hmm. can you bring Billy Cundiff back into that locker room? Oh, yeah. And kick? He's back in the locker room. He's already back. He was there. He was there. Uh -huh. we, we, we've even put him on the bus and put him on the plane. We didn't leave <laughs> yes, back in Boston. Did, in fact, do that. <laughs> he got, he got right. a ride back. And, uh, you know, he's uh, – Billy's too good. He's too good not to, you know. Mm -hmm. Those are kicks that he's going to make over and over and over again, you know. And, hey, it's tough. It's challenging. It's hard. People, people fall down in life, you know. People get fired from their jobs. People lose their homes, you know. It's not their fault. You know, Billy went out there and missed a kick, okay. Um, you bounce back. And I think that's the message – you know, that's the message for everybody out there. You come back and you bounce back. You give a guy another chance. Billy, Billy's earned it. You know, we wouldn't have been there without Billy Cundiff. So. Right. And if you think about it, too, I mean, the Cundiff was just to send it in overtime. Uh, what, what we're about in the media and what uh, society as a whole, talking yeah. about winners, losers, things yeah. of that nature. Uh, Lee Evans squeezes the ball. We're talking about Joe Flacco perhaps in a right. completely different right. light based right. on the game that he had in the AFC championship right. game. So that said, where do you think Flacco is as you get set for, for 2012? Coach? Well, I think he's the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. That's where he's at, you know, and, uh, I, you know, all the terms and the definitions and all that, you know, someone just asked me, you know, where do you rank him? Well, I rank him number one, you know, he's, a, he's our guy, you know, he's our number one guy. And, you know, for the next five years in the national football league, our plan is for him to be the best quarterback in football. You know, now we got to be the best team around him to do that. It's a team sport, mm -hmm. you know, Joe's capable of that. Joe's going to work real hard. We're going to work real hard to put a great group around him and work real hard to help him be the best player he can be. Mm -hmm. That's our plan. We'll make him the best quarterback. And him with his offensive coordinator. That's all people talk about him yeah. and Cam. They're button heads. I don't know they what. really can't be on the same page. It's, it's it, crazy. You know, I just don't. Uh, and both of those guys just scoff at that, you know. And mm -hmm. both of those guys are pros. They work real hard. It was a really good year with Cam and Joe being together in that meeting room every single day. And I think what it drove was a long-term quarterback with the guy who's the, uh, you know, the primary author of the offense. You know, they got to communicate one-on-one -on -one and kind of, kind of really uh, kind of meld together as far as the way they were thinking. That's really important. Uh, it's more ideal to have a quarterback coach in the long run. That's why when the opportunity came to bring Jim Caldwell in, he was the perfect fit that way. So now Jim can kind of push it forward from there. But it was a worthwhile year to have those two guys together in the same room. How much longer do you think you're going to have Ray Lewis at your disposal? Man, coach? I don't know. You know, long as possible. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking to make a change anytime soon. No, I'm sure you're not. I mean, because he's, you know, yeah. the man, obviously. Right. But do you, do you ever pause and think that at some point I'm going to be coaching this team and, yeah. and I won't be looking out there and seeing 52 out there yeah. or going to the locker room and, and seeing him bring the men together? and. Yeah and put everything in the way that only Ray can? Yeah, it's going to be a moment, you know. It's going to be – and when that happens, I think Ray's going to know he's always going to be a part of it. He's always going to be welcome, you know. Um, heck, he goes back to 96. He and Jonathan Ogden were the first two right. Ravens drafted. You know, Ray Lewis is the face of the Ravens. And, you know, he's going to – historically, he's going to always be that. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a statue. Maybe we'll put a statue right down there. Uh, in the uh, in the tunnel coming out, you know, doing his dance. Yeah, right. Well, like rub it, you know, rub his head coming out. Of the, right, the you can out. get steam coming out every time. <laughs> yeah, and you can hit a button and the steam comes out with it too. You get right. The, but you we don't have to worry thing. about that yet. He's still going to play for a while. Right. So what do you think the Ravens need moving forward, Coach, to get you to that next level that you well, need to? Well, you know, we never believed in, in getting over the hump. We never believed in one piece to the puzzle. You know, what we think you do is you go back from the beginning and you, and you, and you, build, you, build, you, build, another, you build the team again. 
you know. Uh, the nice thing is you get to retrace those steps. It's, it's, it's grooved. Now it's been grooved for four years. So our guys know the, the steps that we take, the process that we go through to get there, and then they bring the young guys along with them. So you, you do a lot, there's a lot more momentum involved now. So we think you know, that helps us get back to where we're going to be. But you know, players are going to leave through free agency. We're going to add players to the draft. We'll probably add players. We've lost coaches. We add coaches. You know, so you got to kind of put the whole thing together again. Right. And what do you what do you look at the combine as? I'd love to see what your philosophy is here, because obviously there's many pieces to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Pro days, medical. You look at the eye in the sky from these kids Saturdays for as many times as they've been out there on the right. field. Where where do you fit the combine into your whole philosophy of talent evaluation? Well, I think everybody's got their own role. For the head coach, your role is to kind of start shaking hands with these guys, both athletically as football players and as people. So you, you have these interviews and you talk to them and you get to know them and now you know them. We have a, we've begun a relationship. Uh, and then I'm watching tape. I watch tape between the workouts, so I'm starting to get really dig into the tape. You watch them train. You see how they move around, and you come out of here going, okay. Now I've got I've been introduced to the draft class. And then those are the guys that are going to be playing in the National Football League. You only get seven of them or so. Right. But there's going to be another couple hundred that are going to be playing on other teams. So, you know, now you have an acquaintance with those guys that you're playing against as well. Let's just give it for example, just because the fans would love to hear this whole process. Let's take um, Torrey Smith, for instance. Mm-hmm. What did, did you come into the combine already looking at him, knowing his, his Terrapin days and what he's done there? Or did you sort of come in and see what he did here uh, and and he went a little higher on your draft board just as a for example some kid that you had last year yeah we knew about Tory just because because he's a terp you know so right. uh you know we got a lot of terp fans around our place I'm our sure owner's pretty our owner might let me know about him a couple of times you know he's a big terp fan <laughs> yeah. Steve Bishotti right but uh uh yeah so then we got to know him and I just was blown away in the interview uh and I it's funny we had a draft meeting before the combine and I'd read his while they were going through him and talking about him, I was having to be kind of paying attention. I was reading this Washington Post article on his background. And I got to admit, you know, I got choked up. You know, I'm sitting all the scouts are rather talking about this player. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> right. sort of, you know, sure. wow, you know. And, uh, and then, then getting, so it was easy to get to know Torrey because I felt mm-hmm. like I already knew him a little bit. And he was a Ravens fan anyway. So it, was, it was just made a lot of sense. We were, I was just happy that he was there. You know, when we picked in the second round, for him to still be there, you felt like that was kind of providence at work. And then for him to kind of under, he under, he went through a lot of scrutiny. You know, took a lot of criticism, and you know, a lot of people didn't think he was going to be the player he was. And then he comes on and has the kind of year he does. Man, it's just like, yes, you know, right. this is this is what it's supposed to be. It all works out. What uh, to get a little introspective? What what does a former special teams coach bring to the head coaching table? <laughs> that may not be ordinarily within the DNA of your typical head coach in the National Football League? Right. Well, um, they probably never ran down on kicks in practice, you know, <laughs> ran into a wedge in practice, you know, without a helmet on. Mm-hmm. The guys do back off a little bit, though, when you're the coach running into the wedge. So <laughs> you appreciate right. that. Right. You go running there like you're all, but it's like, okay, we are going to take it easy here, guys, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, I think it's just, uh, you know, hopefully more guys will get a chance, you know, in the next few years. It's uh, Steve Bichotti's kind of a different kind of a thinker than a lot of owners that are. he is. As you know. Yes. And uh, he was looking for a certain type of coach or whatever. And, uh, you know, I guess he felt like he found it, you know, and you just want to make sure you prove him right, you mm-hmm. know, and you make sure that, that uh, you do the things that he expects and that he wanted when he first made the decision. But special teams coach is dealing with the whole team. You know, you're not a guy. There's nothing – every position – every coaches are coaches. So whether you coach quarterbacks or defensive backs or offensive line or whatever, you're a football coach. But the head coaching job relates to the whole team. 
You know, you've got to have relationships. You've got to understand a broad kind of uh, base of football. You know, special teams guys over the years, you know, that's probably more the definition of the job. Mm-hmm. Last uh, question for you here. Obviously, Championship Sunday wasn't just bad result for you, uh, your brother, than the next game. I mean, it was quite a day for the for the Harbaugh family. Uh, what, what was that like yeah. for your folks, if you don't mind me asking? Because obviously we, we saw them on Thanksgiving night on our network right. and saw how tight-knit a group it is and how, yes, football means something, but it's obviously larger than just that. But right. still, here were two brothers a step away, one each from the Super Bowl, and then not exactly your typical losses either. What, what was that like for your family as a whole? Well, you know, I like to have an eloquent way of saying it. You know, I think you just have to kind of put yourself, like anything, you put yourself in somebody else's shoes. People would have to put themselves, you know, in our shoes and say, okay, what would that feel like? Well, that's it. <laughs> you know, that's really what it is. You can't, talk, you can't explain it. Um, you know, we were on the plane coming back, and we had lost, and just those, those feelings that you had, you can't describe. You're just disappointed. But we didn't, couldn't really see the game. So I got in the car, and I'd heard, you know, that kind of was, it was going into overtime. By the time I got off the plane and into the car, the game was over. And I didn't know what had gone down, how the game had gone. Then you get back home and watch the highlights, and you're like, oh, come on. You know, they were right there. Right. You know, that's the feeling that you have. And, this, and the same thing we had in our game. I know Jim said, you know, he watched it up there on the board as his game was getting started. You know, you guys are right there. Mm-hmm. That about describes it, you know, and it's always going to be there. It's never going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, by the same token, it's pretty cool. Hey, if they'd have written a script in a movie and we'd have both made it to the Super Bowl Jim's first year, no one would have believed it anyway. So, right. you know. We'll just do it the next time around. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Thanks, Appreciate Rich. it. You got it. That's Appreciate John Harbaugh, the Baltimore Ravens, on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen Podcast uh, the general manager of the New York JETS, Mike Tannenbaum. How are you, Mike? Rich, doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great. So what has not gone on with the New York Jets <laughs> since the end of the season? Well, the only thing that hasn't, you know, I've been trying to trade for the 40, and anything, you know, below <laughs> 618 would be good. Yes. But, you know, it's just uh, – I've been able to do everything but that, Rich. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you, you know. But I, I, it's all about, as you know, Rex will tell you, it's all about what beats inside, you know, and you can't teach what beats inside, Mike. But, but Rich, I mean? the reason I came on the Rich Eisen podcast yes. is, are you guaranteeing a sub-618? No, no. Well, listen, I saw the new Rex this week. I saw the new Rex. He, he's, he's done with the guarantee business, correct? Is Has he handed the proverbial guarantee baton to you? <laughs> It's definitely not handed any baton to me, but I did see, I mean, I did see, you know, what seemed to me a different Rex Ryan, certainly in terms of dealing with the press. Is that, is that an accurate assumption on my part? Well, in, in all seriousness, Rich, I mm-hmm. think the, the, the most, uh, I, I say, enjoyable, fascinating part about Rex mm-hmm. is he's <clears throat> by far his own uh, worst critic mm-hmm. and been together with him for three years, going to year four. And, you know, he took some time off, and, you know, he came back with, with a better plan. Not that our plan hasn't been good, but, uh, you know, just things that he feels we can improve on, he can improve on. And I think that's a great sign of leadership that he can, you know, through true humility, get in front of a, a national media audience and say, yeah, my approach last year wasn't good enough, and it starts with me. And mm-hmm. um, that's what's so great about having him as a partner, working with him and Woody Johnson so closely every day. It's, it's inspiring for me to get better, and I think more importantly, it's inspiring for the Jets as a whole for us to get better. So the, the concept that he said he's not guaranteeing anything, that he said that flat out, that comes from within. It wasn't something that maybe you and, and Woody sat down and just, hey, Rex, let's, let's change the public approach 
on this moving forward. Hundred percent. It's it's Rex, and it's you know really you know we want him to be himself. We feel really fortunate that he's our head coach. I mean, here's a man that went to the uh, championship game three years in a row. You know, once with Baltimore, twice with us, and not a lot of people that can say that they can do that. And he, he's a heck of a coach. And I think as he evol- evolves now into his fourth year, his approach is going to be tweaked, you know, time and time again. And uh, we talk about things all the time, but it, he really sets, you know, the tempo, and, and we, we follow his lead. Do you, it, what, what was your uh, perspective on the weeks after the season like, Mike? We're one story after another, the Santonio – home situation and him with Mark Sanchez and how the two of them were uh, at it, or at least Santonio was. And then uh, Greg McElroy says what he said about the locker room. Were you sitting there and just sort of shocked with each one of these or, or um, insulted? What, what was your point of view from a man who put this team together? Yeah, I think it was just uh, really I was trying to become inspired by it and, and learn from it. You know, the only thing we could take from 2011 at this point, Rich, are the lessons it provides for us. And I think if we do our jobs as leaders and uh, running the team, we can look back at three or four years from now and say going 8-8 eight eight in 2011, ending on a three-game losing streak, was by far the best thing that ever happened to us. It allowed us to ask hard questions. It allowed us to refine our approach. I met with 30-plus players one-on-one, and uh, you know some of the things that were said were surprising. Some of them weren't. Um, and there was a lot more information given to me privately than there was publicly. You know, I know you're referring to the Ladaney and the McElroy stories. Yeah. And you know, we're going to take that feedback, and we're going to come back with a, a better system, a better approach you know, moving forward. With that said, we feel really good about our nucleus. Well, in that respect, the toughest question has to involve Sanchez. There's no doubt about that. We're... Um, certainly in a town where you see what a first overall pick has become in Eli Manning, and I'm sure that the comparisons are going to be made and the tabloids and things of that nature. But uh, what do you say about Mark Sanchez when people question him and his ability to perhaps take that next step and put a franchise on his back? Yeah, I think, you know, in my position, Rich, it's, it's taking the long, sober, hard view over a period of time, and there's been a lot more good than bad. And I think the part about Mark that's most exciting is – you know, we like to say the tape sets the floor and the character sets the ceiling. This man loves football. He wants to be a winner. Uh, it's really important to him. Now, has he played as consistently as he hoped? We hope absolutely not, but he'd be the first one to tell you that. Uh, with that said, going to the fourth year, it's an important year. And I think working with Coach Sperano every day, that'll be a new, fresh approach for him. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about that. So what about the, the backup here? Um, Rex said he took a look at 10 10- free agent quarterbacks are, are you what, what is your philosophy about getting someone else in to at least if you do have a situation where you do want to th- throw somebody else in and get some extra reps it's not somebody who's at the very end of his career who Sanchez could sit back and say well they're, they're not serious about actually starting this guy yeah, I think those are two separate issues. One, you know, we always look at the offseason as a continuum. So mm-hmm. when we can try to improve, you know, any position, we're going to do that. Be You know, trades, free agency, obviously the draft, and then after the draft. With that said, I think the quarterback position could look different for us. But I don't think we need a person to come in to push Mark to be great. I think Mark wants to be great because I think that's his DNA. I think that's his inherent constitution. Like, you're going to run a faster 40. Yes, sir. He's going to, he, he wants to be a great quarterback. <laughs> right. It's really important to him. That's the only Sanchez comparison I've ever heard made to me. Mike, so thank you very much. I, I don't know. Well, you're you both know. West Coast guys. You're we both, are. Oh, you're both, sure. like, both like the Jets. Just be, <laughs> <laughs> We're both looking at the situation, hoping to get it better. Um, when you see the uh, headlines, again, about this locker room, 
did at any point you pick up the phone? Because, again, you don't want to believe it, but sometimes we don't know what we don't know. Did you pick up the phone and call Rex and say, is there any truth to this sort of stuff? What's going on in this locker room? Yeah, we talk about it all the day, all the time, mm-hmm. and it, we don't need it on the front page of the paper to say, hey, you know, we got to tweak some things here, we got to address some things. You know, the fact that we ended the season on a three-game losing streak, you know, that's not the standard that Woody Johnson has for us, and it's not the standard we have for ourselves. So we, we, we went on it proactively from day one mm-hmm. once the season was over and, and tried to fix things. We didn't have to read about it in the paper to know that there were some things that, you know, had to be changed. But again, with that said, Rich, we think the nucleus of the DeBrickishaw Fergusons and the Darrell Revises and David Harris, there's a lot of good players, a lot of good people in the locker room. And San Antonio Holmes has done a lot of great things as a Jet. He helped us uh, win a lot of games. So uh, with that said, we're going to try to put all those pieces together in a better way. And as we've already seen with Rex, uh, Rex he's kind of tweaked his approach. Right, but as, as the bottom line with Holmes is here, here you are against a, a hated rival, week 17, season on the line. And he's not out there on the field. And the coach says after the game, I don't know why he wasn't out there. You, who is a guardian of this team, how, how do you f- fix this? Yeah, I, I think you fix it the same way that the problem occurred, a lot of little things. And uh, I think what we saw in that Miami game you know, was kind of you know, the last part of a lot of smaller problems. And you fix those problems you know, day by day, you know, situation by situation. And we'll have a better plan next year, and we'll have better infrastructure and better communication and, and all the little things that, that add to it. But I was as disappointed as anybody. Um, but, again, I know we have the right people. We've been successful in the past. And to me, as long as we learn from these mistakes, that's what's going to make 2011 you know, an important year for us. What about uh, this week? You said at the Combine this week uh, when Peyton Manning's name was mentioned, you said you had a fiduciary duty to... I guess, kick the stones, kick the tires on this idea. What, do you, what did you mean by that? Sure, Rich. You know, the day I got hired, when I was fortunate enough to have the privilege of being the general manager of this team, mm-hmm. you know, I said, we're going to look under every rock every day. And, uh, you know, if I bring anything to the table, it's a relentlessness. And I think that's the, the job one of the general manager, get the head coach players. And if and when opportunities present themselves at whatever position, it's our job to look into it. And uh, that's my philosophy. It'll always be my philosophy. With that said, we feel great about Mark. We think he'll do a lot of great things for us. Uh, but that's why we were able to go get Aaron Maben last year. That's why we've been able to add you know, a guy like Marcus Dixon, who may be a little bit under the radar, but a guy that's played a lot of meaningful snaps. I think we always, you know, you're always scouting. You're always trying to improve, you know, regardless of when that opportunity presents itself. What about being in this building, knowing the two teams that played for it all was your hated rival within your conference, your division, and the team that you share a stadium with? Was that difficult for you to watch, Mike? I think any year that you're not in the Super Bowl, you know, it inspires you to, to say, geez, like, you know, that could be us. You know, the year, two years before that, you know, we were a game away. And, you know, this right. stadium has brought its fair share of uh, good memories and bad memories on the postseason for us. So, mm-hmm. um, but any time you're watching a playoff game from home, you get into this business to be a winner. You get into this business to try to win a ring. It, it bothers you, regardless if it's uh, an AFC East. It didn't know. matter to you that the, the Patriots? No, it could, have been the, C- it could have been Seattle and Pittsburgh again. If it's not the Jets, it, it right. bothers me because we didn't get it done. At any point in this last few weeks, do you ever want to just shout at the media? You know, hey, we, 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 got, we got within a game of the Super Bowl two straight years with a rookie quarterback and a first-time head coach two straight years. Do you ever want to say that? Well, you know, I, I, in this business, you know, you let your actions speak for you. And uh, I feel like 
we have an infrastructure in place that we can have a, a long run of sustainable success, gives ourselves a chance to win each and every year. Uh -huh. uh, we didn't get it done in 2011, and that's all that matters. Uh, we're going to learn from it, and we're going to move forward. You know, in terms of screaming at the media, that doesn't really work in our market. No, it know? doesn't. <laughs> Certainly, well, actually, it's happened <laughs> in the New York market with Jets and, uh, you know, long-time listeners, uh, first-time callers. With, with, um, with this team moving forward at the Combine, walk me – I'm a prospect walking in mm -hmm. to your meeting room. Who, who's there? Who do I see when I walk in that meeting you, room? You'll see uh, Rex. You'll see Joey Klingscales, our great vice president of college scouting, Terry mm -hmm. Bradway, guys that really – are the point people for uh, the draft. And then we'll have the uh, coordinator and the position coach. And uh, le uh, like I previously said, Rich, uh, our success in the draft has been the tape sets the floor and character sets the ceiling. We want to get to know these guys as people. We want to know about their football acumen. And uh, that's really, you know, that's what we're going to try to get from this process. And what is Rex like in there with him? Does he make him, uh, does he intimidate him? What does he do with these kids? Is, or is he just throw an arm around him? What does he do with these young kids who come in there? Uh, if it's an offensive player, you know, he's on his cell phone eating snacks in the back. Yeah, that's right. He's having a snack. Right? If it's a defensive player, he's mm -hmm. running the meeting. So, mm -hmm. no, he's, uh, he's engaged. Rex is a natural evaluator. He, he really is. He's a big part of our process. He knows what a good football player looks like, and uh, he's very engaging. I think he's disarming. Uh, and really, uh, his value to us is not just, hey, he's our head coach. Mm -hmm. Rex is a great evaluator, great feel for people. And, uh, you know, he's obviously helped put together, you know, a successful team in the last three years. What are the lessons? You said you, you learned some lessons from 2011. What is it? So a Jet fan listens to this interview, and they, this, this person thinks, okay, because I, I, a Jet fan, I, I, as you know, will not look at three straight losses to end the season in a, a, a locker room that's categorized by young and old as one of the worst locker rooms they've ever been in. It's tough to see that. The trees in that forest, you know. What, what what can you say that is those lessons from 2011 moving forward? You know, every move you make, you, you want to balance talent and character, and understand that chemistry is affected by every move you make. Uh, some are more direct than others, uh, but but again, I think the Jeff fans should be have a lot of optimism and hope based on the fact that we have a great owner that's given us the best stadium in the NFL, the best facility in the NFL. And players truly want to be there, and it's Rex is a great coach to want to play for, um, and it's been a, it's been a fun place. It's a place that's conducive to learning and being healthy, and uh, I think 2011 will prove to be aberrational. San Antonio and Sanchez have they chatted? Have they met? Uh, I don't know where they are exactly, but I'm confident in speaking to everybody that that relationship will be much better by the time the off-season program begins. When, and that's in a few weeks. It, it is a few weeks. And are they going to meet before that? Do you think, or are you? Just, Forcing them to meet? I mean, how, how are you addressing this particular situation at home where you've got a guy who you're um, on the hook for a lot of money to, obviously, and is a very talented guy, Super Bowl MVP, and a quarterback that, I mean, it's, it's sort of put up or shut up time with him right now. And if that relationship isn't good, it doesn't serve anybody right. So what what is the... the game plan, if I may? Yeah, so you know, Rex is kind of handling that on a day-to-day -day basis, but you know, we feel like... The communications we've had with both guys, we feel like things are really heading in the right direction without going to all the detail. But I think by the time the offseason program begins, you know, things will really be heading in the right direction. And again, I think just as things didn't go well and, and that happened on a gradual basis, I think getting it back up and running is going to happen not overnight but on a day-to-day -day basis as well. Yeah, I think Mar Marshall Falk um, said that he thinks that that relationship will have no problem 
getting better. And I said, how is that possible? Because I heard all this stuff. It's just get him the football. Yeah. You get the wide receiver the football and everything will get better. Do you think the quarterback can get him the football? No question. I mean, we've seen that, Rich. You know, and that's what gives me, you know, the, the legitimate hope and optimism about this is as New York Jets, Mark Sanchez has thrown the ball to Santonio Holmes in big spots and Santonio's won a lot of games for us. You know, to go back a year before, we're the only team to win back-to-back road overtime games, you know. Detroit and Cleveland, and, and he made big plays in both those games, and um, that's why I know it can work. We've seen it work. All right. And last question, 2012, do you think that, that this is a uh, put-up or, or shut-up time for maybe you, Rex, in this organization? Well, I know it's an important year because it's the next year, and again, you know, our, our goal is to build sustainability, Rich, where we're competing each and every year, um, and I, I know the foundation's there. All right. And you don't want to use this podcast as a chance to shout out the fact that you you almost got the Super Bowl two straight years. But it seems like everybody it – it does seem like everybody has forgotten that fact in New York City. Yeah, well, hopefully we can take it a step further uh, in 2012. No guarantees, though. Okay, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, Rich. Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager of the New York Jets, joining me here on the Rich Eisen podcast, giving me some 40-yard dash inspiration, no question. Could not be more pleased to have RG3 himself, the Heisman Trophy winner from Baylor, Joining us here on the program. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. How are you? I'm good, and you? I'm, I'm, I'm just eager to <laughs> hear your thoughts on this whole process. It seems like you're 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 out the door now, right? This is this is all in the books. You've done everything. It's all in the books. I'm done for the day. So it was a very successful process for myself and a lot of the guys here. A lot of guys I trained with right. came here in PR. So that was good. Why didn't you work out? Let's start with that right off the bat. As far as the throwing, yes, correct. Um, I felt it was in my best interest not to come and throw to a guys I haven't thrown to before, running a game plan that I'm not familiar with and an environment that I'm not prepared for. So uh, I'll do it at my pro day. kind of helps out the guys at Baylor that are, that are coming out. Um, they can get more scouts there and watch us uh, do our thing. Now, I, I got a question there. And I'm always the bad guy. So <laughs> I'm going to be at your pro day. I can't wait to be there. Uh, and I can't wait to see Kendall Wright and Ganaway and Blake and all your guys. Yes, it, it was fun watching your tape. I just want to preface it that way. One of the things you said on that little piece that we just ran, you looked right in the camera and you said, I'm a competitor. And when I hear that, don't your juices get going a little bit when all the boys are throwing out there and you're standing there in sweats? Oh, it does. And, you know, um, me and Mr. Warner here, yeah. we're sitting there on the field inching towards the guys every time yeah, they're throwing. I wanted to go throw. I mean, so. I wanted to get out there. I got my gloves in my back pocket, by the way. Dude, I, was, <laughs> I, was ready, I was ready to go. They called out the number 13. I was, I was ready to go out there, but... Yeah, but there's a little difference. I don't remember what your first contract was for. His is going to be a little yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, a little bit and, bigger. And I get the theory behind not throwing. And you sleep in your same bed. You throw to your receivers. You trust where they're going to run their routes. You want to complete the passes. Don't you want to just get down there? Every decision maker in the league is here. Don't you just want to get down there and rip it? I mean, I really, really did. I kept inching forward. The, you know, um, the Cleveland coach was telling me he could see it in me. He saw that I wanted to be out there throwing. But, you know, I tried to come out and show that I am a competitor with the running and the jumping and doing those types of things. So I'm excited to throw, uh, but I, I have to let that be on another day. Okay, and we're, I'll tell you what we're going to do now is we're going to show you about four or five plays from your season. Okay. And I'm going to show you what I think of you, okay? okay? And then I'd like to hear what you think you have to improve on. And this is four or five plays from your regular season and some plays that really impressed me. And what I've been trying to tell people is that you're not just an athlete. The, the, you, you can hang in the pocket and make throws. And the first thing that struck me, Robert, is your ability to throw the deep ball with touch and accuracy all season long. Love this throw across the field to the back shoulder with good coverage. Yes, That's a beautiful throw. 
Here's my, maybe my favorite one of every tape I watched of yours. Back, back foot, you know you're going to get smacked in the face. Kendall Wright's lurking somewhere. <laughs> and look at the adjustment on the ball. Yes, the sir. throw and the catch were beautiful no, by both catch. of you. That was huh? a great catch by Kendall right there. And again, you know you're going to get smacked. I love the fact that your eyes are up, Kurt Warner, right? Eyes are up, and the ball's completed down the middle of the field to Kendall again. And then, of course, there's a pump fake. Here's a Michael Vick throw right here. Quick wrist snap, bang, over the middle. Yes, sir. Another favorite throw because it was an intermediate <laughs> route. And keep finally, it coming. He's like, keep it coming, Mike. Keep every coming. once in a while, we got, okay, and finally, oh, by the way, I did run 4-3-8, and I can make you look bad and all that. So <laughs> I look at that thing, when I, and when I watch the coach's tape, not the television copy, I see that's what I see. The one thing that I want to see, and it's partly a residue of the offense you're in, is an ability to anticipate throws and in more complicated offenses. And Kirk and I kind of talked about that this morning. Tell us where you need to get to and where you are today. I think your job as a quarterback is to continue to add to your game. So that's what I've been doing with Coach Terry Shea in Phoenix, Arizona. You know, working the footwork, you know, throwing those timing routes that I didn't throw in college. Uh, working all those into my into my uh, repertoire of throws that I'm going to do, and then continuing to build those strengths, the deep ball, throwing the football with velocity, knowing how to you know take you know a little bit of speed off the ball in certain situations. So all those things we're working on, and I'm just excited. I'm excited to be in the NFL and and go to a team that that falls in love with me and, and will be there for me. Hey, we know you had a great year last year. You come out here, you ran well, but you didn't throw. What at this point, whether it be through the combine? Or your pro, what do you think you have to prove? What do you want to prove to these pro scouts? What do they need to know about you that's going to help them make that decision to take you high in the draft? Yeah, I mean, it's just you want to show them that you're as advertised. That's the main reason I came in and ran. I didn't have to run, but I decided to run and jump and do those things so they know, look, I'm either as athletic as you thought I was or even more. And when it comes to the throwing, I want to show them, look, I can make all the throws. I can do the timing throws. I can throw off the back foot. I can get the, the great footwork off of the play-action pass. Uh, so those are all the things you're trying to show them. So that's what you have to prove. I mean, me and Andrew, we're at the top of this thing right now, and we, need, we want to stay there, and we want to continue to, to build. And those quarterbacks behind us aren't just saying, oh, right. give it to these guys. They're going to work their butts off to beat us. And I'm a big proponent in the physical part of things and being able to throw the football. We all know you have to do that. But I'm a bigger proponent, we've talked about it, yep. the mental side of things. And when I watched your offense, I would say it was a simpler type of offense, not necessarily a pro-style offense that you played in college. I know how you can get ready physically for the NFL. What do you do to get ready mentally? What are you doing right now to get ready mentally to take on one of those big playbooks that looks like that when you have to step into the NFL? I mean, I would love to sit down with you and go over our <laughs> offense because yeah. a lot of people think it is simple, but it's really yeah. not. And, okay. and I think um, going through those interviews with the coaches uh, this past week, showed them, look, Good. you know, this offense is pretty complicated. What we do is we run the spread, but we also run the pro within our spread. Mm -hmm. So I'm under center a lot. Right. And I have all those reads. We have a hot system. We have a Good. route tree. And when it comes to a playbook, we didn't have a playbook till this past season. We yeah. actually got one, but I'd love to sit down, go through yeah. it myself, Good. then get with the OC and the offensive line coach, go through it with them, yeah. and get this bad boy rolling. I'm sold. I'm sold. Let's get, to, <laughs> let's, let's get to some news we can use here. Okay. Let's get some news we can use. Did you speak to Cleveland this week? Yes, I did. You speak to Miami? Yes, sir, I did. Washington? Yes. Kansas City? Yes. Seattle? No Seattle. Ah, that's no the team that's going to move up and take them then. No <laughs> Remember a couple years ago, Cutler? 
Denver traded up to get Cutler he with Shanahan, even, and nobody had even talked to him. Shanahan, he didn't even know I that know. Shanahan was looking at I know, at that's him. what I'm saying. But So at least Shanahan has spoken to you. You did get to speak with Shanahan. Okay, let's – well, not the Buccaneers – Jaguars. Jaguars. Yes, okay, Jaguars didn't speak to you. Panthers, obviously, no. Uh, Bills? The Bills? Yes, the yes, Bills, Bills spoke did. to RG3. Everybody. Bills have to do their homework. I, I like Ryan Kirkpatrick, but I, sometimes the, the quarterback position is the sacred cow, and I don't believe in that. And, and if, there, if you can upgrade at that position, let's upgrade. That's how about the way the, I look at it. How about the Rams? The Rams chat with you? Rams did not chat with me. That phone's ringing. <laughs> oh, two that and three's ringing, ringing all day. Yeah, two and three. The Vikings chat with you? They did. The Vikings chatted with yeah. RG3. How about that? Um, so, Wait a minute, I got one question. Can I, I have one? Mike, it's Thank your you. floor, too. No, man. I'm enjoying this. Okay. So, at night, people love to, you know, we, we show all the underwear Olympics out here. Oh, my Lord. But at night, <laughs> at night, you guys, when you get interviewed in, in the rooms, you only get 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Give the folks at home kind of a feeling for the type of questioning you get. Is it X and O oriented? Is it we want to get to know you oriented? What kind of questions do people ask you? I think different teams do it different ways. So every, in every room, you're going to sit in a different position. Every team's going to do something different. Sometimes you get on the board and you write the X's and O's. You go over your plays. Right. Sometimes you do the two-minute offense. Uh-huh. Other teams are asking you the deep, dark questions. You know, who was your last girlfriend and things like that. Um, you get anything weird? Any weird questions? You know, not not too weird. I mean, the weirdest meeting I had was with San Fran with Coach Harbaugh because he recruited me at Stanford, uh, and I didn't go to Stanford. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's what, what did Harbs have to say? Oh, I love no, him. He He's said, the best, he, said man. he was burned, but uh, okay. it was cool. Okay. And that was a really good meeting. But you know, they all approach it differently, yeah. and it's an, an interesting process. And you guys really need to see it sometimes. Why is San Francisco? Chatting with our I don't know. Free. Maybe they were just trying to get some inside information on my boy Kendall Wright. Could be that, hey, right? Hey, there hey, it is. Hey, there, there's Coach Harbaugh right there. So you told him no back in the day, I, essentially? I didn't tell him yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are ready. You are absolutely ready. He, he sidesteps here as well as he does out in the field. That was well Not done, too man. bad. The lateral movement is, is great figuratively as well. Hey, uh, Robert, uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. Yes, sir. Look nice forward to, to seeing you on NFL Network many, many a time. Absolutely. From whatever your respective team can be. Take a look be. at this, big guy. This will be fun. Uh, yeah, you simulcam with some of the uh, faster people uh, at the scouting combine, uh, including this me is... with a six-yard lead. <laughs> Check this out. Watch, watch here, it. There oh, you come. Here come oh, the three-quarter. Cam and Luck right through me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So watch out. You look good. I'll you look, you, you looked fast. He did Until look. those blurs went by you, you looked you stylish. Looked fast. Yeah. You were beating us the whole time. That was stylish. <laughs> good to see you. Good, good to see you. That's RG3 with a 4-4-1 official 40 time here at the 2012 Scouting Combine. All right, that's the interview portion of that, at least from my aspect of it from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. It was great having uh, Mayock and Charles Davis and – also, uh, John Harbaugh and Mike Tannenbaum, Robert Griffin III. But now let's switch gears a little bit. We wanted to get Jim Moore Sr. on the red carpet of the Oscars, but he was indisposed. So uh, we turned uh, – by the way, Jim Moore went six for six on his Oscar picks. Six for six, everybody. He nailed Meryl Streep as best actress. And uh, also we want to congratulate the undefeated group. We had the coach, Bill Courtney, also one of the directors of that movie on – Prior to Oscar Sunday, and Undefeated did, in fact, take home Oscar gold for the best documentary, and you should seek that film out. And if you didn't hear the conversation I had with the coach, Bill Courtney, the high school football coach, download that podcast as soon as you're done with this one. It was one of my favorite interviews I've ever conducted. 
Uh, but we, uh, we asked Heinz Ward, Dancing with the Stars champion, MVP of Super Bowl 40, if he wouldn't mind going out with Chris Brockman, podcast television producer, to the red carpet at the Oscars. Heinz said yes, and here is his work. What's up, Rich? Still in Nations in the house. Heinz Ward here on the red carpet on the biggest night in Hollywood, the Academy Awards. And I'm excited to be out here and looking forward to picking these actors and actresses' brains. Let's go have some fun. I'm on the red carpet. Is that Rich Eisen? See? Robin said, what's up to you? You look fabulous. What are you wearing tonight? Uh, I, well, did you ever think you'd be asking a question like that? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing Mark Bauer. Mark Bauer. Yes. Look fabulous. Yes. I'm trying to do old uh, Hollywood glam a little bit. You're doing your thing. Oh, you know I, I'm a little nervous because this is my first time on the red carpet. This is the Super Bowl, I guess, uh, for all the entertaining. So... For them, you know, uh, what do you think the biggest thing for them to do if, they were, if their name is called and they get the Oscar award tonight? Uh, you know that feeling. You know how it is. It is their Super Bowl. Yeah. And the raw emotion. You know what it feels like. Yeah. You work for this one moment. And, yeah, it's an honor to be nominated. Like, it's an honor to play in the Super Bowl and get in the, in the playoffs. But you know the sweet taste of victory. So they want to hear their names. They're no different. Are those the envelopes of the winners uh, for tonight for the Oscar award? They are. They're, they're actually in there? They're in there. All 24 of them. All 24. Yep. Now, how long have you guys been doing this, uh, the red carpet, and walking the, the envelopes in uh, to, the, to the red carpet? Yeah, this is my uh, eighth year, and it's Rick's 11th year. So we, uh, we've got some experience out here, but we look forward to it each and every year. It's a lot of fun. So this is like, you know, our equivalent of the Super Bowl. Does it ever get old to you guys? Never. 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 No. Isn't Super it fun? Oh, it's awesome. This it's is the Super my Bowl. my first time here. How about you? It's my first time. I wanted right. you since okay. you're nominated oh, for costume. Oh, look at this. Single-breasted peak lapel. That's what we did. Huh? It's good. So I look sharp? Yeah, I'm absolutely. Hans, you look good. I mean, you know what? You rock the wrong shoes, though, because you're standing behind a wall. Be comfortable. You That's see, I rock the Kobe's. That's the trick. That's the trick. So next time, next year, you know, you know. I am in the movie in Batman, right. The Dark Knight, right? What's it like being a movie star now? You know what? I'm waiting to get my first Oscar. You know, I got a Super Bowl ring. I got a Super Bowl trophy. I got a mirror ball. Wow. So now Heinz has his sights set on an Oscar. Yeah. So next year, I'm trying to get like one line in the next movie. Just work my way <laughs> up, right? By the way, look at your mic and look at mine. See, it's the Oscars, man. Why did y'all bedazzle the NFL mic? See, Rich, you know, his his podcast, he... Rich, we need to get an upgrade on our mic, man. Look at this. Oh, Kevin's oh, killing us. Man. Rich's budget. Yeah. Uh, We're not big time like that. You got to talk to Rich, man. <laughs> the NFL has mine. <laughs> Thank you, Kev. Thank bedazzle, you very much. Bedazzle. Bling, bling, Rich. What's going to happen is, and it's going to get crazy in a few yeah. minutes, when all these people start coming down the red carpet, it's all these different stars, and you're like, who's that person? Where's that person? And what movie are they in? And what movie? So there's all these people at different times coming in, and it's one after the other after the other. So are you ready? I, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. It's like the taxi squad of every team in the NFL <laughs> showing up, and then you have to know them all and interview them all. Well, it's crazy. But so if I get stuck with somebody that I don't know, what's the what's the easiest question I can get out of it? Yeah. Give me. The movie is fantastic. How excited are you to be here today? There you go. There you have it. <laughs> and then the next, and then hopefully at that point they'll say, well, you know, being a part of the movie. If they don't, then you follow up and you say, are you nervous at all? What do you think your movie's chances are today? I'm going to watch you from over there. You handle this, Hines, okay? Man, <laughs> you put the press go. on me. Here it goes right now. Now, I know you're a Cowboys fan. 
You know, I'm a Cowboys fan, I must say, because we have a restaurant in Dallas, and Jerry Jones comes to our restaurant all the time. Oh, well, I, Jerry so Jones if you invite man. me to Pittsburgh, I might change colors. Well, I, uh, we I might do be that. black and gold. So what is the main specialty dish that you're serving tonight? Well, What's your... This year, we're going to have a grazing menu, and we're going to have favorite dishes from all of our restaurants. Like from Chinois, we have the lobster with pickled ginger and the lamb chops with nice. uh, mint cilantro vinaigrette, smoked salmon Oscars. But what I about, just, could I find the soul food? The collard greens. The oh, chicken. you would love the chicken pot pie. Oh yeah, and the macaroni and cheese. That's you would love that. Sounds like home to me. You can return to the NFL anytime. And when you score a goal in soccer, do you celebrate and you dance? Yes. Can you give me an example so I can take it back? In the yeah, simple. Yes. Just soccer. What you just did? Show me what you did. <laughs> Rich, are you getting this What's over? Hey, that was awesome. Oh, that was awesome. No, oh, no, no. Oh, like Americans like it so much. Yeah. America love it. They say, eh, uh, Rich, I can take him to the club with me any night. When I score a touchdown, you got it right here, Rich. So what do you guys look for when you come to the, the Oscars? You want me to say joke? <laughs> I just want to know what to expect because I don't know what to Cleavage, expect. Cleavage, babe. Cleavage? It's all about the cleavage? That's right. That's for the NFL boys. <laughs> How is he looking at my cleavage? That's right. Sorry. Yes, yeah, she's definitely looking at it too. What are you wearing? What am I, I'm wearing a Pamela Roland. Pamela Roland. Yes. So if I buy that for a date, she's going to love me for life, right? She would love you for huh? life, yes. Like my that. husband, however, bought me the beautiful jewelry. Wow. And I do love him for life. He's a baller. Now, do you still have the terrible towel? I do. I yeah. have the terrible towel. Now, you he ain't jumping off the bandwagon because we lost to the Broncos, right? <laughs> you know, it's always a pleasure to watch you. Why is that? You enjoy it. I do. You enjoy have it. the best smile on your face all the time. I'm always and, happy. I'm always happy because you're doing the thing that you love to do. Well, I know you guys are nominated tonight, and I yeah. wish you guys the best of luck. Yeah, now, tell you. me this: Do they give out? Everybody get an Oscar, or is this one Oscar? Do y'all share it from one day to another? No, you get to touch it. You get to touch you it because it's like maybe a little party. Yeah, that's right. You get that's right. You hold up, you kiss it. Exactly. You hold up, you scream, and then you hand it off to your teammates. Yeah, we call it the sticky Lombardi because. Everybody touches it. Absolutely. Nice. What I'm looking forward to, my teammates are the most wonderful people, and I adore them. So to get to see them lift this trophy up. As a collective group. Yeah, it's, a, it's all of us. Yeah. It's 68 SAG actors, middle-class actors like me. Yes. Nobody knows. Yeah. And they each contributed to making this film the best possible game it could possibly be. See, we're yes. in the same environment. We are. It's the same. That's yeah. One man can't win the Oscar. That's right. Exactly. It a group it's, a of team. it's a teamwork. Yeah, I know you're nominated for Best Picture. Yes. My thing is, when you win, and I think you're going to win tonight, is there a special place what you do with the, the Academy Award? Well, um, if we win, this award will be a very important award to me because my father was a member of the Academy and an Oscar winner, and he passed two years ago. And... And if I can have an Oscar the same way my father had, I, I would be so thrilled and so touched. Do, do you have a, a, a special place already picked out for the Close Oscar? to his. Close to his? Yeah, that would very be awesome. close. Well, I had to put some eye candy for all the guys out well, there. thank you for picking me. Where, where's the, the party thing to do after the Oscar? Um, well, there's quite a few parties going on tonight. We're going to go to Vanity Fair. You know, but I, definitely this has been a quiet week for me. My, my daughter is sick at home, oh. so we've been taking it easy with the parties this week. Nick Nolte, Heinz Ward hey, here. Man, how are you doing? I'm trying. Let him over here. I know this is not your first rodeo. It's my first rodeo. Yeah, yeah. So what's the best part about the Academy Awards here? 
Well, you know, getting to see the other other players, you know, that's what it is. You know, you, you're looking at the other actors and things like that. Uh, the award itself, it's, you know, no big deal. If you won the whole thing, you know, best picture, then it would be like the Super Bowl. You want to be the sweep. You want to sweep it oh, all. Oh, yeah, you want to sweep, yeah. When guys are disappointed that they didn't win, any animosity towards somebody who did win, especially if you felt like you yeah, deserved to win. Yeah, no, no, you got to get used to losing. I mean, you got to learn how to lose because yeah. that's primarily what's going to happen to you in Correct. your life. Correct. And if you learn how to lose good, then you got a chance to win yes. because you learn how to deal with it, you know. Oh, we lost to the Packers. I, I know. <laughs> I, it's not a great feeling, but no. I think we grew as a team. And sure. It's, it's a team you, grow as a person. you learn from losing. You yes. don't learn from winning, really. No. You get a good feeling from it. Yeah, it makes you hungry. Yeah, it makes you hungry. But, man, losing really teaches you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. How you doing, Jay? Hey, man, it's good uh, to see you. Big, big fan. Big fan. How you oh, doing? Likewise. Are you uh, kidding me? Come on. Now, it's I'm, an honor. I got to see you in a football movie. Let's be honest. Uh, I have the body of an athlete. Yes. You can't tell under this tuxedo, but it's like, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So does Nick. Yeah, you know, honestly, if you lift your arm too quickly, his muscles will make the jacket break. Well, if, yeah. you, play, if you did play football, what position would you be? Tight end. <laughs> would tonight be your first Oscar if you win? Do you have a special? It's my first time that I'm nominated for an Oscar, yeah. yeah. Do you have a special place for it if you win? I'm not talking about that because I don't know. We'll see. Oh, you don't want to do Right now, it. I'm just nominated. What is that you're wearing right there? Well, that was my best. Just a little summertime dress. Huh? Um, no, I'm wearing Diane von Furstenberg. Oh, very nice. Expensive earrings that aren't mine from Tiffany. Now, I'm sure all your viewers are going to be totally interested in my earrings. No, uh, yeah. oh, well, because a lot of guys have to buy presents for their ladies, all so right, they need to know. So what is your routine ritual before coming to the awards? Do you lay out your whole outfit? You put your shoes? Do you got no. like four or five different outfits? The most important thing is to have at least two beers. Two beers. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite team in the NFL? Do you have uh, one? Yes, the 49ers. The 49ers. Yeah, since Joe Montana days. Uh, Joe Montana days? Yeah. Do you find yourself going back to, to Candlestick Park and rooting? Because they beat our tails this year. I do. I do it every once in a while. Last time I went there, the Oakland Raiders, somebody, a fan threw a liter bottle of soda at me, hit me on the shoulder. Uh-oh. So, yeah. <laughs> How you doing there? Heinz well, Ward, filling in for Rich Eisen oh, podcast. Great, great. <laughs> How you doing? You look Sunday tonight. I've done this for 30 years now, so I know a lot of people. It is an amazing time to, to see people that you've known over the years. And Does it get old? No. 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 no if it gets old, you should do something else. Exactly. Harvey, <laughs> How you doing? The one network I agreed to do. Ah, how you doing? Ask me who designed my, my suit. Who designed your suit? George Clooney. George Clooney? He told me that if I wore this, I'd be as cool as him. <laughs> Turns out he's a much, much better actor than he is a designer. I'm not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you something? I was at the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, yes. and Pete Figalski was one of the top cops in New York City. He was killed in the line of duty. I've got four daughters, so did he. Uh -huh. I took his kids with me to the Super Bowl, wow. and the New York Giants, which is where I live, kicked Tom Brady's butt. <laughs> now, Tom Brady comes to my town, and he trash talks in front of me all the time. Oh, so whatever. it's back. So this is a payback. Hi, Mr. Brady. If yeah. you're sitting at home watching, wondering how Super Bowls were won, Come over to New York City. Wow. <laughs> you heard it first. I have a documentary called Undefeated. It's nominated for an Academy Award tonight. Wow. If that wins, 
that's a Super Bowl story because out of nowhere, this is a movie about a coach yes. and a team near Memphis, poor as church mice. They never won a game. This guy volunteers, and they kick butt. This is a great, great movie That's against gigantic competition tonight. Well, good luck we tonight. win that one. It could be as exciting as winning the big one. Uh, what is the best thing about the Academy Awards and being here and trying to get an Oscar? Well, you know, the whole world loves the winners, and a guy like George Clooney, I'm just rooting for him. He's doing the right thing because he does things that are not going to be forgotten. Everybody's going to remember it. I love him. How, How you, you doing? doing man? Good. How's Ward filling in? How you doing? Well, we just saw Pittsburgh and Baltimore hugging. Oh, you're a Baltimore oh, fan. Oh, she's a cheerleader. I wasn't even going to bring that up. Oh, we had our rivalry. Oh, okay. oh. So do you root for Baltimore when they're playing against us? Oh, yeah. And I'm Cincinnati. Well, you're Cincinnati? So I don't got a chance. We're not going to talk to you. <laughs> do you have a spot for your other Oscar? <laughs> Somewhere in the house. Do you, I, I know. Actually, do I do think it's going to, unless I speak French, I don't think I have much to worry about. <laughs> do you get uh, the NFL Network in Italy? Yeah, I do. Do you? Sure. You yeah, you know, I watch Rich Eisen all the time. Yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> want to thank Heinz Ward. That was great. I want to thank everybody uh, part of this podcast and uh, both my Chris's, Brockman and Law. And uh, we'll come to you from our NFL Network studios in Culver City next week with a fresh pre-free agency edition of the Rich Eisen podcast. That's next week. But signing off from the 2012 Scouting Combine in Indy, I am your humble host, fresh off a 6.03 40-yard dash in my Under Armour shoes. Stay listening.